Welcome to the Content Strategy Experts podcast, brought to you by Scriptorium. Since 1997, Scriptorium has helped companies manage, structure, organize, and distribute content in an efficient way. In episode 51, we talk with vendors at the CMS Dita North America conference about how they have seen Dita evolve during their time in the industry. This is part two of a two-part podcast. Hi, I'm Elizabeth Patterson, and I am joined today with Gretel Kinsey. Hello. We are going to uh, do a couple highlights from the DITA North America conference. We took the time to interview some people about their experiences with DITA, trends that they've seen with DITA. So in full disclosure, you will hear some background noise because we did record these during the actual conference. We are joined with Ulrika Parson. Hi, Ulrika. Hi. Uh, we want to talk to you a little bit about a few DITA-related things. So my first question is, what role does DITA play in your work, and how has that changed throughout your career? Uh, DITA is part of our consulting project, so we help clients in Germany or in Europe in general to get from unstructured content to structured content, and DITA is always one option that we consider in the consulting project. So it has a big part in the consulting branch that we have, um, and it has increased, actually, the use of DITA, for, especially for people who do not work with the CCMS. Uh, what kinds of trends have you observed in the way people are using DITA? Um, and I also want to kind of get into some of the differences that maybe you've seen and how those trends work in the U.S. versus in Germany or kind of throughout Europe in general. In, in the U.S., there is no question whether you use DITA or not. In, in Germany, that's a big question. So um, when you go for a CCMS, you, that doesn't mean you go for DITA. It means you just pick a system which works with XML under the hood, but not necessarily DITA. So that is the biggest difference. Um, so when German machinery manufacturers or others um, use or want to use a CCMS, they write down their requirements, and having a standard format is actually not really Im a very important requirement right now for them. So that is one of the main differences. Uh, what I've seen about DITA is that the use of DITA is increasing. It has gone up from 4% to 7% in the uh, German market, which is good. And it's especially um, useful for people who need standards for exchange or uh, um, who are not considering using a CCMS. And the other trend I've seen is that we have more CCMS around using DITA, which is nice like Ixiasoft or EasyData or the Empolis um, content management system. What kinds of advancements do you hope to see in DITA in the future? Oh, I've seen Lightweight DITA at this conference and I like it very much because uh, for the do uh, docs as code approach, you need Markdown to get the developers to write. So this is actually what, what I was hoping for and they, they've done it and I really love that development. Oh, and I would like to see um, developments in the metadata approach of data because, you know, we are working on a standard for content delivery, IRDS, and I would it, that is a good match for data, and I would, see, would like to see more development in that direction. Okay, great. Well, thank you for talking with us today, Erika. We really appreciate it. You're welcome. Thank you. Thank you. So we're joined today with Talika Gerg, and 
Devraj Singh. I wanted to talk to you guys a little bit today. Have you noticed any patterns in the types of customers or industries using Adobe Experience Manager specifically for XML documentation? Sure. So this is Salika, and probably I can get started with that one. So what you, uh, as you would expect, that with data since it was born in the tech docs domain and that's where it's getting used most. That's where we've seen the most traction and most of the users coming to us. And it's across industry verticals. So um, be it finance and software and hardware manufacturing. So I'm sure those are the most common ones that you hear. Uh, but it's interesting to see uh, a great penetration of data in finance industry too. and. These are the industry-wise segments, but what we are also seeing a very um, interesting pattern is that a spread across uh, the functional segments. So a lot of, uh, so like uh, data or the structured authoring uh, has been adopted in the tech docs domain, uh, domain for quite some time now. Uh, the other tech, uh, other te uh, content domains like marketing are also coming to us and asking about structured formats. Um, not necessarily data, but since data has reigned really strong in the structured space, that's definitely one of the formats they are actively looking at. And a lot of it is it based on the foundation or the strength of structured formats, and that's where that interest is generating from. Um, I wouldn't say it's substantial in terms of actual production deployments, but that interest is definitely there. And if you would like to add something, the Raj. Yeah. I think very well covered, but uh, just wanted to uh, bring up uh, the strength of data. It's around reuse, which is actually bringing up uh, maximum traction around it. Uh, like domains like uh, uh, marketing or uh, any other commercial segment, they, they, have, they have a lot of things to reuse on the product side. So they see reuse as the framework where data is providing all the strength, and they want to uh, leverage that strength into their product or commercial uh, uh, line of uh, uh, streaming, I would say. So they, they want to reuse their content, and I think data is the way they see they want to do it. And that actually leads really nicely into our next question because I want to ask what kinds of patterns that you predict in the future for the types of customers or industries that you see adopting DITA. So how do you see DITA adoption evolving? So, okay, I'll go first. So, one pattern that we are seeing a lot is that now that people are not using content in silo in a single system, so while authoring is always the biggest requirements and that's where the system requirements come from that authors want to be able to author and the tech pubs manager want to be able to manage the content. The ultimate goal of the content is to get delivered, right? To get used by consumers. And that's where the new wave of challenges are, right? Because on the authoring side, on the content management side, I feel those challenges have been thought around and solved and beaten to death and it, it's pretty much taken care of, but the delivery channels and the challenges on that front, those are new. So that's where most of the challenges and open questions are and the new innovations are happening and content managers or authors 
most of the times they cannot separate themselves from those requirements so it's not just about writing the content they also have to think about how they can use the right tools and right formats to enable their content to meet these new challenges and for example I mean, we have seen the challenge of uh, mobile app and the proliferation of those devices and now the voice space assistance and chatbot and a lot of uh, integrations that are required to stream the content to many downstream systems that organizations have. So that's where I think the next uh, set of innovations would be happening. Uh, and I think uh, just to add to that, uh, it's uh, as as we see the content is getting segregated around uh, in different systems. Uh, the one who is managing the content is looking for consolidation of the system so that they can see everything in the same system. And that is where I think uh, from authoring to translation to review uh, to publishing, if all that can happen in a single system. And I think that's where we are leading to from the content management system, whereas the system should be capable to. Uh, deliver that content anywhere, anytime. So I think that's where we are leading to, I feel. What are some unique or interesting things that you've seen customers doing with Dita and what new features has Adobe developed to help meet those customers' needs? Okay, so uh, one of the interesting patterns that we are seeing more and more recently is that um, and we have to look at it in context of how data came about, right? So earlier, you people used to do editing of large monolithic documents, right? And then they realized that it's very unwieldy, not a good design. We, they need to get modular and break it down to topics, right? And it gets to topic-based publishing, uh, topic-based authoring mode. But now what we are also seeing a pattern is that from authoring perspective too, while topics are a good way to modularize the content for reuse and for easier management, reducing translation costs and all. That single document view to have the context while authoring and while doing other content managed tasks is really good to have. So people are looking for a glimpse of that old world way of being able to see the whole document at the time of authoring or at the time of their content management while maintaining the individual modular topics and while maintaining that strength of reuse which further add you know gives the other benefit so we'll have to find a fine balance and how to enable both these use cases while maintaining the core fundamental aspects of topic level publishing but giving that ease of use which was there with the document or the whole guide-based authoring. So that's an interesting uh, development we are seeing, and I think we'll see some uh, work or innovations around that. True, and I think uh, as they learn, when they, when they deliver the content, they want to understand how this content is getting used, so they want to associate analytics around it. Uh, obviously, uh, they have not explored yet how that content is getting uh, used after it is published. So there are a lot of options right now, dynamic publishing, uh, generating the output based on user requests, and uh, delivering it to uh, multi-channel. So right now it is uh, like uh, a lot of options are there, but uh, to explore that, I think uh, they want to start with analytics. This is something which we have noticed so far. So. I think uh, the publishing part is where we are exploring now. Great. Well, thank you guys so much for joining us today.
We're here with Radu Karavu. Um, Radu, could you tell me a little bit about how you've seen Dita evolve during your time at Oxygen? Uh, hi Elizabeth, I'm Radu from Oxygen. Uh, nice, to, uh, nice to have this talk with you. Um, well, I think that Dita was in initially adopted by large companies who had lots of people to do customizations and to take care of the publishing and also tools uh, somehow focus on the editing part of Dita. But uh, right now, maybe as a tool vendor, we are pushing towards adoption of Dita f for small teams. And, um, you know, teams of one or two writers who want to do structured content, but they may not have uh, the technical capabilities to customize Dita, they may not have the capabilities to, to customize the publishing part of Dita. So one thing I think that should change with the tools and data is that tools should offer easier customizations for, for outputs and, and for the editing part of data, reducing the number of elements in the vocabulary, for example, or restricting the user actions. So with the types of customers that you have, you mentioned that you're kind of targeting these smaller teams. Have you seen any sorts of patterns as far as the types of industries that those customers are in? and have, How has that changed over time? Uh, I think uh, that still mo most of our clients come from the, from the software industry. And um, I think it's, uh, you know, this is a trend which, which continues. So, yeah. What kinds of trends do you envision uh, for the future? Do you think it will continue to be software, or do you see maybe uh, you know other types of content creators and in other industries jumping onto this bandwagon and using Dita more? It depends on what Dita has to offer, probably. Uh, so as Dita allows you to obtain multiple outputs, yeah, maybe, I don't know, maybe people in marketing will be able to use certain topics created by, by documentation. Or maybe people in other industries like, um, you know, um, automotive and uh, industries which create um, microchips, um, hardware industries, they are, they are, you know, they are also moving to data. They need structured content. They need to to publish to multiple outputs. They need to reuse um, content for for different uh, products which are very similar but but may differ in uh, certain small ways. And uh, yeah. I think the the market should you know, should be growing. We as a tool vendor, we want to grow the market. We, we do not want to obtain you know, a huge amount of money right now. We want to to grow the market and um, you know to expose every everybody to the possibilities of using data and to to ease the effort of migrating to data. Uh, maybe create migration tools maybe help them with tutorials, videos, and so on. Have some, some rich set of resources available for people who do not know what DITA is, but maybe they might need DITA to, to accomplish their goals. Uh, what kinds of advancements have you seen happen in DITA, and what do you want to see in the future? So the DITA 103 standard added quite a lot of features, like uh, key scoping, branch filtering, there are features for heavy-duty users, in my opinion. So for most users, I think Dita is quite, quite in, enough as it is. It has so many features that maybe users use only 50% of the, the reuse and linking potential that Dita has. Um, so the way the standard is going, I think they are going to try to eliminate uh, deprecated and... Um, 
parts of the standard which are not clearly specified. So I think it's a, it's a, it's a good way to be heading, trying to simplify the data standard in a way. And along those lines, what kinds of advancements uh, do you think that you'll have to make with Oxygen to keep up with all the things that might happen with DITA in the future? I think we need to bring an integrated solution. If we do our job right, people will not know that they're editing DITA. They will just be editing like in an office application. They will just publish to multiple formats. And the good thing that is that they will be using a standard, but uh, we would do things in a way in which we would hide all the complexity of the tags and uh, you know, try to expose people who are less uh, technically inclined to, to writing technical documentation in a, in a structured fashion. Okay. Well, great. Thank you so much for talking with us today. Thanks for inviting me. Thank you. We're joined today with Val Swisher. Hi, Val. Hi there. Hi there. How are you? Doing great. So the first question that I have for you, how have you seen the DITA landscape evolve during your company's time in the industry? Well, that's a great question. My company's been in business for 25 years. So there was no such thing as DITA when we started. We started with FrameMaker 3 back in the day. So the landscape has completely evolved from zero to everything that we have today. But I would say that the first 12 years, maybe even 14 years, um, there was there was talk, well, the first, the first 10 years, it was nothing. But then about 15 years ago, we started talking about it. And we kept waiting for XML to happen. I mean, we had SGML, we, you know, we were, we were trying to get there. And then there was, of course, the battle of the standards, kind of like the Sony Betamax battle from way back when, you know, was it going to be DocBook? Was it going to be DITA? But still, it was like everybody was standing back and watching companies to see what was going to happen. And I think um, the OASIS committee really took it and moved it forward so that more companies started adopting DITA. And I would say that from my perspective, it's really been the past seven to eight years that I've seen more and more companies really moving to DITA. And the, the past five years has really been um, an explosion. And what I'm seeing today is what we're calling the second wave, which is companies who started early on, maybe 10 years ago, some started in DocBook, some started in just XML, all specializations. And they're realizing that they can't keep up with technology. They can't take advantage, uh, advantage of the things that have come now, or they never quite implemented it properly because we really didn't know what we didn't know. So not only are there a lot of new companies coming in and new industries coming in, but there's this second wave of early adopters that are going, hmm, I think we need to actually straighten this out and, and fix it to move forward and to be able to integrate with some of the other advances that are happening. So based on everything that you've seen changing in the world of DITA over these past you know, 20, 25 years, where would you like to see DITA go in the future? What advancements would you like to see happen? So I really am looking to uh, the standards bodies to start embracing the kinds of 
changes that we need to accommodate AI and um, cognitive systems. And not just chatbots. I mean, I've been talking about you know, needing something for intents and actions, special tags, special structures um, for a couple of years now. But as cognitive systems are really coming into the mix, we're really going to need to look at content um, on a larger scale because we need to look at corpuses, corpi as a whole. And then on a teeny tiny scale, because we need to look at very quick, very easy answers um, as well. So we need to evaluate what the cognitive systems need, um, and we need to adjust, and we need to grow, and we need to be planning for it. And I don't necessarily know that we're doing that right now. So what are some of the patterns that you've seen in the kinds of problems that DITA has helped companies solve? And I also want to tie that into this vision that you have of the future. Where do you see that going? Yeah, so, uh, you know, DITA solves lots of problems. It solves the issue of I've written the same thing 17 times and they're all kind of sort of the same, but they're not the same, they're just a little bit the same. So all the inefficiency uh, in creating content, all the confusion in creating content, in uh, ingesting reading content, um, tons of issues that go into the translation world we can solve much more easily with Ditto, with writing short, concise, say the same thing the same way every time, translate it once, use it every place. Um, I see now more and more regulated industries really adopting uh, and embracing DITA. And it makes sense if something is already passed a standards body, well, by all means, don't change that. Leave that the same. You have something new to say, start something new, small. You know, the, Don't reinvent that wheel every time. It's extremely expensive to have reviewers start messing around with things that are already regulated and stamped and you know signed and delivered um, so there's a lot of problems that that is multi-channel publishing omni-channel delivery personalization I mean all all, all the things that we talk about uh, companies are are finally starting to do and then future wise it's a really good question um, in the systems that I've been trying to design now um, we're not ready yet with the cognitive systems to have them be ubiquitous, where DITA has become ubiquitous. So I'm seeing a combination when, when we're looking at vision of um, having, having a CCMS and DITA in the mix, but having it be part of a repository that a cognitive system can actually go into and grab the content that it needs and bring it out. Uh, and then merge it with other systems because for good or bad, other kinds of groups, engineering groups, um, even knowledge base, as much as they could be in DITA, are often not. So if I can bring my CCMS into the, 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 the big river of content, then it's available with all of the other content for these advanced AI systems to use. Thank you so much. Yes, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Content Strategy Experts podcast brought to you by Scriptorium. For more information, visit scriptorium.com or check the show notes for relevant links.